0: Let's read the verse that is before you from the Legacy Standard Bible. And let me read, you know, why, why don't we read it together? It's one verse with one voice. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Amen. You may be wondering whether we are going to move on from chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, I've told you I don't know how fast I'll be moving along in the Philippians. But so far, God has placed in my heart many different things in this verse. I often thought in order for us to understand Paul's letters, sometimes we need to read them backward. Not every letter, but some of his letters, toward the end, he talks about why he's writing that letter, such as Romans. You'll only find that reason why he's writing the book of Romans, the letter to the church in Rome, only in chapters 15 and 16. And he wants them to send him to Spain. And that's what we did last Sunday. We went to chapter 4 to talk about a couple of, verse, a couple of verses there. Uh, chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, where we found out that Euodia and Syntyche, they had some problems. That problem was a significant problem And I have every reason to believe that it is why, one of the reasons why he's writing this letter. The reason why we need to know those circumstances of a church or even Paul's personal situation is not so much that we know those particulars about those settings. We need to know, obviously, But there is more important reason why we should know those circumstances. Because whatever the problem is, all these various churches that are receiving these letters from Paul, they all have issues or whatever the reason is, you will always find Apostle Paul expounding the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not so much that we know, oh, that was the problem or that was the problem for that church. But I want us to see how then does Paul deal with that problem? By expounding the gospel. What that means for us is that when we have problems as individual Christian or as a church, we need to examine the gospel of Jesus Christ and see how that is not affecting us Where we are failing as Christians or as a church, what in that gospel promise are we failing that we need to examine? If you had your your diocesan problem, how would you solve that problem? We have seen from that verse last Sunday that he commanded them to think the same in the Lord. There was a gospel message there in the Lord. It's not simply saying, Stop fighting. You know better. You shouldn't. But He will always bring the gospel in. If you have marriage problems, guess what? As Christians, we need to apply the gospel first and foremost. If you have a problem with parents and children, or if something's lacking in our church, what should we do? What will Apostle Paul do? He will always explain from the gospel. And we have seen last week how the goodness of God and the humility of Christ, those were the reasons why they were in the Lord. So to think the same in the Lord, I said, Apostle Paul is really saying, don't you know your Christ who humbled himself By becoming obedient to death? Don't you know his humility? Examine yourselves whether you are in the Lord and the attitude of a Christian. How it should be if we are followers of Christ who humbled himself, who came down from heaven to earth. That was what I was saying last Sunday until there was alarm or something outside and I had to stop. With that in mind, What I want to do today is to give you an introduction of a term that you have just read slave of Christ. To talk about slave of Christ Jesus in 2021 is a dangerous thing. You'll be misunderstood, Uh, you could be maligned falsely accused. So I want to take some time. And and today I just want to give you an introduction. Remember what I was trying to say last Sunday. Apostle Paul is a good pastor. So as he picks up his pen to write this letter to the church at Philippi, I am telling you, he's thinking about all of the things in his heart. And he's writing every single letter, word, carefully. Our doctrine of scripture tells us that this is the word of God. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write this letter to that church. But this comes to us now as the Word of God. So keep that in mind. He's a pastor. He's addressing the issues in the church. And read this verse with that in mind. Let me read that again. Paul introduces himself in this way. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. That word, Greek word, is douloi. That's plural of doulos. It's one of those easy Greek words that you need to know, like ecclesia, church, or koinonia, fellowship. One of those easy words. So the word is doulos. And this LSB translates that word into slave or slaves of Christ Jesus. Putting the things together from last Sunday and today, I notice a couple of things in this. By introducing himself as a slave of Christ Jesus, Paul is approaching this church with an utter humility. He's addressing all Christians in Philippi as what? The saints. Remember a few Sundays ago. They are the saints, the holy ones in Christ Jesus. Don't you think he is one of them? Don't you think Apostle Paul is part of that group of saints or saints? He is. He's an apostle. but he's addressing himself and introducing himself as a slave with Timothy plural, slaves of Christ, Jesus. and he is setting himself lower than the saints that he would call other saints, Christians in Philippi. The very fact that he knows them and they know him well intimately, that makes this choice of word all the more remarkable and actually awkward. Think about that. There was a um, book, Why Johnny Cannot Preach. That was the title of the book, Why Johnny Cannot Preach. T. David Gordon, very famous professor at Gordon. One of the chapters, he's addressing this generation, why can't this young man preach? In one of the chapters, he says, one of the reasons why this younger generation of men cannot preach well is because they really haven't had a training of writing with pen and pencil, writing a letter. What do you mean? Now, if you go to Rite Aid and buy a Christmas card, pay, let's say, $6. Do it this season. $6 card in front of you and a pen. You know what you're doing? You are thinking before you write. Because when you make a mistake, you, it doesn't look good. What he was arguing is that old-timers, generations of men, they would write out sermons or letters with pen and pencil, pen, ink. So they would think about what they would write before they commit them to writing. And I thought that was a one interesting aspect of his, his Why Johnny can Preach. The reason why I'm mentioning is this. Do you think Apostle Paul is sitting down and he's probably writing these letters on a leather, some kind of leather? Not papyrus, some kind of leather. Expensive. When he picks a word to introduce himself, you think it's random choice of word? Or you think he's putting every Concentration of his mind, spirit-inspired mind, and choose the term carefully. I believe these are not random words, whatever comes to his mind. In that, he chose the word slave or slaves to introduce himself to the church. But, again, like I said, does he need reintroduction? I mean, he's the founding pastor, and they know them, and they've been supporting him all these years. And for him to come around and say, slave of Christ, they are paying attention. If Eurodia and Syntyche problem is in the back of his mind, then this is an intentional choice of word. If Apostle Paul is introducing himself as slave of Christ, in turn, what he's saying to the church and Euodia and Sentaiki, what is he saying? I am exemplifying the humility of Christ by employing that word slave to me and Timothy. I am humbling myself before you. And don't you think you should do the same? You could argue that way. Another thing is this. In that simple verse, you will notice, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, and what does he say? With the overseers and deacons. Why put those words in there? Why overseers and deacons? To tell us about the church or the doctrine of deacons or, or the eldership? You could say that. But if you think about the Odia and problem, you could also say, I'm not saying this is the reason, but it could be explained in this way. By singling the officers out in the beginning, he is pressing them, overseers and deacons, you guys, the officers of the church. You have that God-given responsibility to maintain that peace and unity of the church. Once again, I cannot prove this by choosing the term slave and by singling the officers out in verse 1, I do believe Apostle Paul is already addressing the church to humble themselves. If you are an overseer in that church, wouldn't you pay attention like last Sunday I said, if you are a deacon in that church, wouldn't you pay attention? I would. So with that, what I've done, I've looked up all of the New Testament letters and to see how Apostle Paul introduced himself to different churches. And just bear with me as I read these things to you. First letter in the New Testament that Paul, or in the In the New Testament, in the Bible, is what? Romans, that you will find. In Romans 1, 1, this is how Apostle Paul introduces himself to the church that he has never been to. And he's about to ask them to send him to Spain. Chapter 1, verse 1, Romans, he introduces himself, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and singled out for God's good news. Now go to 1 Corinthians. Paul, called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and this is the major word that he will use. He will use the apostle all the time as he introduces himself. 1 Corinthians, that's how he introduces himself. 2 Corinthians, he will use the same term. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. As you know, Corinthian church had many problems. And if he chose the term apostle, what is he saying? I represent Christ. I am sent by Christ, right? The authority of an apostle. Galatians, Galatians, they had problems too. How would you approach if you're sending and trying to correct them, some of the errors. I would use the term apostle. Paul says, Galatians 1.1, Paul, an apostle, and he has this lengthy parenthesis explanation. Not sent from men, nor through the agency of men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Establishing his authority. Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. By this time, you will notice he will talk about the will of God. That means I didn't choose to become an apostle. It was his will that he chose me to be his apostle. And Philippians, as you have seen, as we are reading, he introduces himself as slave. Where else? Romans. Now, Philippians. Colossians, he said, Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus Christ, by the will of God. 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he simply introduces himself as this, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, without any office, name of the office. 1st Timothy, he's writing to his son in, son in faith. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus according to the commandment of God. 2 Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Titus, also his disciple. Paul, a slave of God. So three places in the New Testament, Paul's letters, he refers himself as a slave of Christ or slave of God. Where, once again? Romans, Philippians, and Titus. Philemon, you know Philemon, that letter is a personal request. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, as I've been saying, when Apostle Paul chooses a word to introduce himself to these churches, depending on the circumstance of the church or even his own personal reasons, he will use the term carefully. And to the church at Philippi, in Philippi, he chose the term slave. Slave. Now, I am going to give you an introduction to the term, Slave of Christ. In modern, that is 1950s after post-1950s, in modern, major English translations, major that I mean there were a team of translators, and major because people actually bought that translation, some of the things that you know of, like NIV, New King James, or ESV, or NASB, that evangelical uh, the uh, translation of the, the Bible, all of that major translations use the term servant to translate the word doulos. Only NASB that we've been using Opted for the term "bond servant" to to emphasize there is more than what the word "servant" could communicate to us. But they do not translate that term into "slave" or "slave." You could guess why. Only major modern translation that consistently translates "doulos" into a slave or slaves is CSB, or it is known formally as HCSB. That's Holman translation. That is Baptist translation. So many Baptist churches they use HCSB. Now they change it into CSB, Christian Standard Bible, and Legacy that just came out in production. That translation is done by MacArthur's team at the Master Seminary and University tweaking NASB to one of the promises, as I said, is to translate that term consistently as a slave instead of servant. I don't know if you have ever heard sermon or lecture on this term. First time then when I was exposed this to this term was when I was a uh, relatively a young Christian. After conversion in my college years, uh, every summer I was going around in the States, visiting different churches to, as part of a praise team. I remember it was either a um, either 1999 or year 2000. We were in Michigan. We had a downtime. We were spending a couple of days in a pastor's house. And I remember picking up a book from his library, personal library, and it was a Korean book by a. Famous pastor. I was a young Christian and I picked up a book, not knowing what that book was about. But what I did was I read that introduction. And toward the end of introduction, that pastor signed his name. You know how he says, you know, name your name. He said, Jesus' is slave, his name, Nam June Kim very well-known pastor in Korea, I remember my reaction when he said, Christ, slave, not servant, but slave, and I was shocked, and I was thinking, why would you choose that term? I thought that was a uh, false humility in his part, when everybody's using the term servant of Christ. He alone says, I am a slave of Christ. And there is difference in nuance in what you are communicating. I didn't didn't fully understand what he was trying to say, but I remember that it offended me as a young Christian. I thought it was a distasteful choice of a word to describe himself as a slave of Christ instead of a, a servant of Christ. That was my first exposure to that. I'm pretty sure he knew what he was talking about. He was a very well-read and a known, reformed pastor. Now, fast forward a decade or so. Next time that I've heard a sermon on this text, or this term, doulos into slave was through John MacArthur's Shepherd's conference message in 2008, more than 10, 10 years ago. 2008, I remember I was in my home, live streaming, 2008. He was speaking to the group, a group of pastors, this pastor's conference. And he preached on something along this line. It was a long message, but it got stuck in my head. And that was 2008. 2010, his book came out. Title of the book was Slave The Hidden Truth About Your Identity in Christ. In the introduction and in his sermon, too, back in 2008, he said it this way. He's been expositor for more than 40 years by that time, but he never really paid attention to that war, to this war. Because according to him, these English translations, they've been doing what he calls a cover-up. They didn't translate doulos into slave for whatever political reasons, whatever theological reason that might be. But because of that fault of not translating that word faithfully into a slave... Generations and generations of Christians have never understood what Paul meant when he wrote down that word, doulos. And English translations have all covered that word up by translating that word into a servant. That's his thesis, that's his thesis, And he found that out by reading a book by Maury J. Harris, Slave of Christ, in 2008 in his flight to London. So past two to three weeks, what I've been doing is I've read those two books. I remember what he said. It was a good sermon. But I couldn't deliver my sermon before I studied those books. Two books. Murray J. Harris' book is a uh, rather uh, theological book. But John MacArthur read that book to deliver 2008 message, and his book came out in 2010. 2010, Same theme, same thesis. So in coming weeks, I don't know, I really cannot promise, but I want to give you some of the fruit of my study on those two books, and some of my own meditations upon that, on that issue. And I think there are some of the things that you could gain by understanding that term as slave instead of servant. It's going to take some, some, some time for me to properly uh, introduce so as not to cause confusion among you. After examining Paul's letters and how he introduced himself, once again, quiz, where does he use the term slave? As he introduced himself, Romans, Titus, Titus, and Philippians. Now, I thought that, that was it, but I went on. Why don't I look up other letters by other authors in the New Testament? Letters. I went to 1st and 2nd Peter. Peter. You know Peter. 1st Peter, chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You have to understand, whenever these people say they are either slave or apostle, they always attach of Jesus Christ. There's a meaning to it. Now I went to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simeon Peter, Simon Peter, but Simeon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Who said that? Peter. Peter. Peter introduced himself in 2 Peter as a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Once again, for now, assume that translation is correct. Assume that you should, you must translate Dulos into slave instead of servant. Do you know James? Book of James? Do you know who James is? James was? James was what? Jesus' half brother. Half-brother because Jesus was conceived by whom? Holy Spirit. But Jesus had other siblings, brothers and sisters. Obviously, Jesus was the first son. Remember, Mary was not married at the time. And he had few siblings. And James was one of them. And James wrote his letter. James, James chapter 1, verse 1. This is how he introduces himself. James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelations, the Gospel of John. John, he introduces himself as what? Do you know? The elder. That's his, that's his term. The elder to the elect lady and her children. The elder, the presbyteros. That's John in 2nd and 3rd John. And there is a single chapter letter, if you know, Jude. Jude. You know who Jude was? James was half brother of Christ. Jude was also the half brother of Christ. Jude, chapter 1, verse 1. There's only one chapter. Chapter 1, verse 1. Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Jude, in Greek, is Judas. Judas. But traditionally, they don't want to use the term Judas for obvious reason. So Jude. John, in the Revelations, chapter 1, verse 1, he uses the term to his slave John. So I will end with my conclusion here today. Today, is simply to introduce that to, to don't be shocked when we talk about this term. Peter, James, John, and Jude, or Judas, they have something in common. They all once doubted Jesus resisted Jesus' claim and ridiculed him and calling him crazy. They were not religious fanatics. Matthew 13.55 says this, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Four brothers. Jesus had four brothers and his sisters. Are they not all with our Sisters in plural, so at least two. So with Jesus, this is at least a seven siblings. Jesus started his public ministry around when he was what thirty years old. So for James and Judas Jude. They lived with Christ for how many years? At least 30 years or less than that. 20 some years. They lived together. So for James and Jude, they spent their entire, at least that first couple of decades, with Jesus. In the beginning, they didn't believe in Jesus. Jesus says, I am the Son of God. brother said, you are crazy. But later on, as I've told you, they refer themselves as slave of my brother. Peter, you know Peter. He believed in Christ. He denied Christ. And in John chapter 21, where does he go? He goes to Sea of Galilee because he gave up. He gave up and he goes back to fishing. He didn't go there alone. John followed as well, son of Zebedee. And his brother James, but one of the sons of Zebedee, was martyred in Acts 12. Not the same James. But John was also with Peter in John chapter 21. See of Tiberius, so Galilee. Where also this John also gave up. On Christ Jesus, following Jesus. But later on, all these men, they will describe or refer themselves as slave of Christ. Right. The grace of God did not leave them alone. They saw who Jesus was, really. They believed. They received new life. And in the end, many of them, they gave their lives for Christ and his church. And by this time, their letters were preserved as part of New Testament canon. Because why? These men became the leaders of that early church. So conclusion is this. When Apostle Paul calls himself slaves of Christ Jesus along with Timothy in Philippians 1, it was not his own thing. It was not simply Paul who had some dramatic conversion experience, Damascus Road, he calls himself slave. But all these men, leaders of the early church, they would all call themselves as slaves of Christ. They thought they were more privileged to see themselves not as brothers of Christ, or simply as apostles of Christ, but slaves of Christ. If it is offensive to you, as I will explain, it was offensive to everyone in the first century as well. But in the end, they saw something in themselves to call themselves rather slaves of Christ and they thought it was an honorary title, glorifies Christ. And by calling himself again, Apostle Paul is humbling himself before Christ and before fellow Christians. And the promise of God is what? God gives grace to To the humble. If we could, in coming weeks, truly understand what God wants to say through these words, and if we could humble ourselves, God will give you grace. Grace to deal with your own issues, relationships. Grace to go on. Grace to Serve in the church. So let us seek God's grace as we humble ourselves before our God and before other people in our church. Let's pray.